Hi everyone, this is David Wolf. I'm excited to get right into this week's episode of Beyond the Summit, but before we do that, I want to ask you for a little help supporting the show, and it costs absolutely nothing to you except 10 seconds of your time right now. If you could go into the podcast platform that you are listening to this episode on and rate the show with five stars, that would help spread the word and the incredible messages that our guests give to us each and every week. You can leave a comment or review of what you thought about previous episodes or wait to the end of the show and leave your review then. Now look, if you don't like the episode, when you're done, you can go ahead and change your rating as well. That's perfectly fine. But thanks so much again for listening to Beyond the Summit and supporting the podcast each and every week. Hey everyone, this is David Wolf. I want to thank you for joining me for part two of this podcast with Todd Scandrett. If you didn't have a chance to listen to last week's episode, I invite you to go back and do so at this time. But if you've already listened to it, I want to prepare you for what's going to be a very emotional podcast. In this podcast, Todd talks about his time in the Army, the heart attack he had just a few days before he was heading back to the country, and how that heart attack led to his retirement early from the military. In addition to that, he also talks about his wife, Melanie, their life together, and the tragic loss that he had this past year. Again, this is an emotional podcast. It's going to bring up a lot of emotions and a lot of people. But again, it's another success story of someone who's still there, giving it everything he's got every single day. So thank you again for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Welcome to Beyond the Summit, where we journey into the heart of human potential. I am your host, David Wolf. Here we will engage with extraordinary minds, unlock secrets of success, and discover what fuels happiness in our extraordinary guests. Prepare to be inspired, to grow, and to see beyond your own summit. So it's hard enough to fight against each other. It's even harder when you're fighting against yourself. And I want to talk about your heart (laughs) because, gosh, if there's anything that's kept you back, it's got to be just that. When did you start having the heart problems? And do you, if you never had it, do you think you'd still be in the military today? Oh, funny question. And you'll, you'll see why it's funny. Okay. So. I love your tattoos, by the way. I never knew until I, I just saw your arm when you drink, but I, I, I always saw them, but I never knew what they were. That's yeah. amazing. I'm yeah, so glad you started. Uh, you know, I, I was saying that to uh, Kyle Mooney and listening to that for recording that first podcast. I've heard this from other people that are friends with Kyle Mooney on the, the well, it's the second podcast. There's things that we talk about we never knew. I'm yeah. sure there's friends of yours, ours, that are going to hear this and like, I never knew that about Todd. So that's right, why yeah. I'm loving the direction of this this Beyond the Summit podcast. Yeah. So the the whole heart issue and how it came about. Um, so there I was, uh, May 19th, Baghdad, Iraq, 2007. Me and my team, we... Uh, the the team I was on, we had a very busy schedule. We were we were always always on patrol. We were always going out doing stuff, and we were getting towards the end of our tour. We had 
we had less than a month left in country. Um, our replacements were already in Kuwait. You know, we were already shipping stuff home just so we wouldn't have to, you know, get rid of so much stuff right at the end, right before we left. And myself and a couple other guys on the team, we went to our team leader and we're like, Hey boss, can we just have a day off? Cause we, I mean, we had been out on like 300 patrols by that point. And, you know, you're there for 365 days, 300 of those you're on patrol and you still have a month left. You know, it was a, it was a brutal schedule. And he's like, okay, yeah, we, we can go ahead and we'll take a day off. We, we won't go hang out with our Iraqi counterparts. We won't roll out the sector. We're just going to take a day for us. And we're like, cool. So we decided, hey, let's play some ultimate football. And so we go out this morning and you know, it was 10 o'clock in the morning, 105 degrees because it's Baghdad playing ultimate football and also I become a heat casualty and I start going through the whole process of, you know, the heat cramps and the heat exhaustion. And now I was cramping up really bad. Like my, my arms were like curling up on me and I was like shaking really bad and, you know, it was bad. And so my team medic, I'm like, Hey doc, you got to do something. And so they take me over to the, uh, the aid station that was on our, on our little fob. And they're like, Hey, your core body temperature is 103.5. You know, uh. They packed me in ice. Like literally they were pulling out bags of ice and just sticking them on me and sticking them around me. And that sucked. That was brutal. And, you know, getting the IVs and all that. And, uh, you know, so they treat me as a heat casualty, which is how I presented. And, they were kind of like, okay, you know, several hours later, my core temperature body, you know, my core body temperature came down and, you know, I'd been rehydrated and, you know, things seemed kind of better. And they're like, hey, we're going to put you on light duty for 48 hours. So no patrols, no going out, you know, just relax for the next two days to kind of recover. And I was like, cool, not a problem. 48 hours pass and I still wasn't feeling well. And it was just weird. I was having problems sleeping. You know, I was feeling nauseated. And uh, I went to my team medic and I was like, doc, I'm still kind of feeling. And, you know, I felt like I pulled a muscle in my chest and this, that, and the other. And he's like, taking you back to the aid station. Taking me back to the aid station. They do an EKG on me. They didn't like the results. Nah. So they did another EKG. They didn't like the results. And so with, with each EKG, they're going through different texts that, are putting the leads on and actually performing the EKG. So the first kid was a little medic. He was a little private. And then there was a sergeant that did one. Then a sergeant first class did one. And finally, the uh, the attending physician, who was a captain, she came in and she did one. And she's like, this is bad. We have to evacuate you. And so I'm kind of like, okay, what does this mean? So we got to send you to the combat surgical hospital in central Baghdad, which luckily was just down the road. It wasn't that far. So they send me down to the cache and I get there 
and uh, they do an EKG on me there. And surprisingly, they actually had a cardiologist on staff at the hospital. And he comes up to me. He's like, how do you feel? And I'm like, yeah, I feel kind of run down. You know, feel like I pulled a muscle in my chest, you know, just feel kind of crappy. And he's like, yeah, you're having a heart attack. And I'm, I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm standing here talking to you. I'm not having a heart attack. He goes, no, you're having a heart attack. And I was like, oh, so what does this mean? He's like, well, we're going to evacuate you. And so at this point, I'm like, no, you can't evacuate me. I've only got, I've got 17 days left in country. Like I'm getting ready to go home. You can't evacuate me. He's like, no, you're going home early. And I'm like, no, this doesn't sound good. And he's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. You, you're having a heart attack. You're leaving country. And I'm like, well, so I was not real excited about the prospect. I did not like the idea of having to leave my team early. Mm-hmm. You know, my stuff still needed to get packed up. You know, what what was what were they going to do with my weapons and all this? And uh, you know, all of a sudden he's like, "Yeah." So they they like put me in the ICU at the hospital, and I thought it was weird. I'm like, "What in the world?" So I'm like all wired up and hanging out in the ICU. There were two other guys in my room in the ICU. They were both Iraqi nationals that had been blown up earlier that day. And these guys were masked up. And so it's, it's like one of those things that you don't realize how bad you are until you're in the company of other people that are really bad off. And you're like, I'm, I'm grouped in with these guys. You know, if, if they're as bad as they are and I'm here with them, it's not because I've got a headache. You know, there's something serious about it. And so we're, yeah, I'm hanging out in this little ICU room waiting to get evacuated. And uh, the hospital gets hit by rockets. Oh, my God. No. And so there were three Katush rockets hit the hospital while I'm sitting in the ICU. And so, you know, you're having a bad day when the hospital gets blown up, too. Uh, but Shit, I'm, you're joking about this, but this is crazy serious. Yeah. And so again, when you realize how bad a situation is, is when the staff is triaging the situation and they're moving patients into the hallways uh-huh. and who do you move into the hallways? The people that you can say, I did not get moved. Oh, the, the guys in my room did not get moved. They left us in our rooms because they didn't have enough space in the hallways. So the people that have a better chance of making it get moved to the hallways first. And you're thinking this is where it ends. And I was like, well, I, I had a conversation with God. I'm like, yeah. I get the message. I understand what you're saying. It's time to go home. And so it was at that point that I was, I, I came to that realization. I was like, okay, I, I understand, you know, it's, it's my time. It's, it's, if you need to evacuate me, evacuate me. I, I won't fight it anymore. And so they, uh, three o'clock that morning, they put me on a helicopter to, uh, Balad, which was where they had a big air force hospital. And it was also uh, the one of the main air bases where they would evacuate people out of. So got to Balad, and they put me on a flight 
from Balad to Launstuhl, Germany. Um, got to Launstuhl, and I spent three days there. They did a cardiac procedure, but they couldn't clear the blockage. So they're like, ah, yeah, we really didn't fix anything, so we got to send you to D.C. So had to wait for a flight from the U.S. that had a cardiac care team. They got to Germany, picked me up, flew me back to the States, and I ended up going to Walter Reed, and they were finally able to clear the blockage. Um, but from the initiation of the cardiac event until they cleared the blockage was seven days. And so it was a uh, 100% occlusion of my left anterior descending artery, um, affectionately known as a widow maker. It should have killed me in about 20 minutes, but I... I made it all the way back to D.C. Um, after the procedure was done, cardiologist came in my room and the first words out of his mouth was, you should be dead. Uh-huh. And uh, he's like, you you should not have made it. He says, it's incredible that you had the amount of collateral flow, of collateral blood flow to the heart. And he's like, you're in incredible shape. And so... You know, you can't tell it now, but I was in really, really good physical shape at the time. And uh, he's like, yeah, you, you should be dead. It, it, it should have killed you. It should have killed you in Baghdad. Um, but you made it. And so here you are. Um, the problem with it, though, is because it was 100% blockage and it lasted for so long, there was significant damage to the heart itself. And so, you know, and that's what, you know, one of the challenges that's so tough is people that meet me, you know, you look at me, you don't sit there and think, Hey, this guy is on the verge of heart failure. Right. Um, but in, in medical terms, I am, I am standing on the doorstep of heart failure and, uh, it's tough. It it makes it tough for me. Um, that was in 2007. Again, we're in the middle of a war, uh, global war on terrorism. The military is fighting for people. And so I actually went to a medical review board and I was able to stay in. What? Um, Time out. Time out. Yeah. Hold that thought. At what point from the moment you played your last ultimate game to the time you got back to the city, when did, when did Melanie find out that all this is happening, happening to you? While I was in the ICU in Baghdad, they let me have a phone. Oh my gosh. Um, I can only yeah. imagine what's going on in her mind. Oh, it was it was kind of a messed up story. So, I've got a, I've got a really bad sense of humor. It's 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 bad. Um, so I called her on the satellite phone, and so the satellite phone number showed up differently than when we would use like the AT and T phones that we had on base that were available for us. And you know, she immediately answered. And at the time, it was early morning. She was getting the kids ready to go to school. And she was like, hello? And I was like, hey, babe. Got good news and bad news. And she was like, okay, what's the good news? Like, I get to come home early. And she goes, well, what's the bad news? And she's waiting for me to say, I got shot. That's what she's, that's the punchline she's expecting. And I'm like, I'm having a heart attack. And 
it didn't register. Like it, it really hadn't registered with me. And she's like, okay, so what does that mean? And I'm like, well, they're supposed to be sending me to Germany. And she's like, okay, well, I mean, you're talking to me. You sound okay. Um, but it really didn't register. And so we get off the phone. The nurse jumps my case. She's like, there is no, you cannot tell your wife that. You cannot say those things. And I'm like, what? She goes, you know, I got good news and bad news. I'm coming home early. And so the wife, my, the, the nurse is like railing me about how I broke the news to my wife. But you didn't tell her and, about the rockets. So that's and, okay. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't tell her the hospital's getting blown up, <laughs> but no. So the nurse was all on my case about it. So I was like, ah, man, I kind of screwed that one up. You know, I thought it was kind of funny, but, <laughs> uh, no, for Melanie, it, it, it was real hard for it to register with her. And so, you know, early morning, she's getting the kids ready for school. She told the kids, she's like, Hey, your dad's having a heart attack, but he's coming home early. And she took the kids to school. So the kids are like spending all day at school, freaking the hell out. You know, what do you mean? My dad's having a heart attack, but he's coming home early. What does this mean? So, you know, that's, that's been a big joke in our family about just how the messaging came across and how, how everybody reacted and responded. It was just, we did a very poor job of it all around. <laughs> well, you so, learn for the next time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Um, but yeah, so I, I went to a medical review board and was able to stay in and, uh, ended up, you know, not only staying in, but got a couple other assignments and got promoted and, um, I'm assuming this is desk job, right? This isn't like moving around. So I, I was, I was an officer. And so at the time, you know, I was a senior captain, um, and I was promotable to major, uh, and I got picked up and selected for major. And so they, they were very much, you know, what you would consider desk jobs. They were, um, you know, I was a battalion executive officer. I was a operations officer. Um, so it was, it was a lot of, a, a lot of planning, a lot of sitting at a computer typing, um, you know, typing operations order and taskings and just a, a lot of coordination kind of stuff. So yeah, I, I wasn't running around, you know, slinging artillery rounds or anything like that. Um, but I, uh, I was still in and in, uh, 2011, uh, I was down in South Carolina, Fort Jackson, South Carolina, and, and it had a really bad, uh, event happen. Wasn't feeling well. And my boss at the time, he knew my cardiac history. He's like, Hey, you know, you need to go to the hospital. And he had the operations officer take me to the hospital. And sure enough, I was having a second heart attack. Mm. And, uh, you know, from, after the second heart attack, that's when the army was like, uh, we might need to get rid of you. Uh -huh. So it's kind of like, okay, I, I understand. I, I really can't fight it at this point. And so they, they transferred me from Fort Jackson up to Fort Bragg to go through the medical retirement process. And while I was at Bragg, I had another really bad cardiac event. And that's when they're like, Hey, we need to put a chunk of titanium in your chest to keep you alive. Yeah. Uh -huh. It's kind of like, okay, well, 
So they send me up to DC, I get the implant. Um, and it's at that point, they're like, okay, we have no choice. You know, with the implant, you have to be separated. You, you cannot fight it. It, it's in the regulations. You cannot be in the service with this thing. And so it's like, okay. So they medically retire me and, uh, I was retired at, you know, 18 years of service as a major, uh, in October of 2013. So coming up on 10 years now. Yeah. So yeah, so it's, it's not a new thing. This whole cardiac history has been going on for a while. And it still bothers you today, obviously. Oh yeah. 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 It's, uh, it, it, you know, I, I missed the moonshiners fly in, um, because the, the Friday prior, I went into a pretty significant atrial fibrillation rhythm. Um, woke up just feeling like I was running a race and, you know, heart rate was going crazy. Uh, paramedics show up and they get me hooked up to the EKG and my heart rate was 175 beats per minute. And, uh, my ICD was not correcting it, even though it was trying and um, they, uh, they gave me some medication on the ambulance, still took me to the ER. And, uh, I was, I was in that cardiac event for probably about an hour and a half. And so just imagine getting your heart rate up to 175 beats per minute and stay there for an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, it, it, it wiped me out. It was pretty miserable. Todd, when I talked to Tim Gaskins, uh, a couple episodes ago, you know, he talked about that with his cancer, he was told you're going to have two years left to live and he's been going seven years now since that was told to him. Right. So in a way, I think that I would imagine for someone like him, for someone like you, you feel like, you know, I'm living on borrowed time. Any day could be my day. I mean, it's been 10 years for you now, but you're still like Tim, you're still feeling those effects. I mean, how do you, what do you say to somebody that's going through this or that that's just coming into a, a, a health situation? Maybe it's heart related. Maybe it's something else to give them hope to say, look, there's still life out there for you. Ooh. That's a tough question. Um, no, it, it's a tough question because I, I have such a hard time dealing with that myself. Do you? You know, um, because I don't don't know what the answer is. You know, it's... I remember Tim saying, faith, friends, family. That's what you got to lean on. That's what keeps him going. That's, yeah. um, I I don't have anything that profound. um, But yeah, that's definitely who you lean on. But... uh, it's hard because even, even as you're going through it, nobody else fully appreciates and understands what you're going through. And that's, that's the hard part. It's kind of like, you know, you know, and my heart goes out to Tim and my heart goes out to everybody that's dealing with a a significant medical situation. Um, but you know, the thoughts and prayers, they're nice. They, they mean a lot, but there's, still a cynical side of me that's like yeah but nobody really understands what i'm going through and do you feel like you ever lean on people that are in a similar situation like you so i'm going to give you an example there was a bit of jealousy in my heart 
you know, knowing how much that this organization called Resurgence PPG that you created that I was working to help promote and to raise money for. And yet there's a, I had to learn to respect this and walk away from this. There was a group chat that was created with all the Resurgence guys mm-hmm. and you. And I wasn't involved in that because like what you're saying right now, I don't, I didn't go through that. Right. I wasn't part of that bond. And, you know, at first I felt like this is unfair, but then I realized, no, it's not. I can't understand what they went through. And that's a good thing. Right. Oh yeah. It's a good thing you're, that I don't you're understand. Lucky. I, I yeah. it's, it's, I, I, you know, it's, it's, I don't want to know what I don't know. I shouldn't right. know. No one should know what I don't know. So I can understand that. That it's, you know, it's just, I think I even said to you once, how do you feel when someone comes up to you and says, thank you for your service? And it, it wasn't met, that answer wasn't met with the response that I thought it would be. It was more like, thank you, but, and maybe I'm wrong here, but thank you, but mm, you really don't understand all of it. Right. Yeah. No, and that's still holds true. It, but yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So there's two other topics I wanted to talk about with you. And you know what? The way I feel like this, I, I've been blown away in this conversation here over the last hour. And we could probably go three hours, but this podcast isn't uh, to the, to, to the uh, it's not the Joe Rogan experience. Oh, come on. You can, make, you, you so can give turn me a couple it more that. years and we'll get to three years. We'll be at the Joe Rogan experience. But I just want to other- make sure you've got enough uh, enough information that you can edit it and oh my gosh, squeeze dude, it down you- to an hour and you'll be good. I don't even want to edit. <laughs> I just want to let the whole thing roll. Um, there's two other things I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. One is I couldn't even imagine going through what you've gone through in the last year. Yeah. I want to read something to you. My father-in-law is is one of my very closest friends. He's also the person that's inspired me and had the biggest impact on my life. And his name is Jerry. He's going to be a guest for sure on this podcast. I, I don't know if you've met him or not. You may have. If not, I'm sure you will at some point. And one of the things that Jerry does every night is he sends out his words of wisdom. He sends them out to all of his grandkids and then he sends one separately to my wife and I. And this is what he wrote last night. And as I read this, I called him afterwards. I said, I'm going to be talking with Todd and with your permission, I'd like to read this. He didn't even remember where he got this from, but this is what he sends last night. I'm going to read this to you. They say there's a reason. They say that time will heal, but neither time nor reason will change the way I feel. For no one knows the heartache that lies beneath the smile. No one knows how many times I've broken down and cried. I want to tell you something, so there won't be any doubt. You're so wonderful to think of, but so hard to live without. And the reason he wrote that was because yesterday was the fourth anniversary of the passing of his wife, my mother-in-law and my wife's mom. And uh, as soon as I read that, I thought of you. No, I appreciate it. Um, I wanted to share that with you. So 
there's a lot of people like you, like Jerry, that uh, lose their spouse way too soon. Mm-hmm. There's people like my mother and uh, a guy we both know named Shane Robbins that lose their children way too soon. You never heal. Right. But how do you cope? How have you coped? How have you learned to cope <laughs> with the pain? Oof. Um, or have you? I haven't. I haven't. It's a... Uh... wake up wake up and fight through the day you know and uh, you know I've been in touch with um, trying to get resurgence going again trying to get it ramped back up Um, been in contact with a a school about a, a potential candidate that we're sponsoring and it's hard. It's hard to find the motivation to be like, hey, I've, I've got to get back to this and I've got to make this happen. And, you know, I've, I've got to, I've got to get back to serving. And it's tough. It's, it's tough because, you know, people don't realize the struggle um, and what, what Melanie and I had gone through because I, I trained at aviator PPG and I went down to aviator in January of 2018 to start my training. And I got a call while I was at training that, uh, Melanie had had a situation at work and she had to go to the hospital. And so I left training early before I finished and came home back to North Carolina because my wife was in the hospital and, uh, they weren't able to figure out exactly what was going on. Um, they said she needed a blood transfusion, a few other things. So I rescheduled the remainder of my training and, you know, aviator was like, yeah, just come on down, piggyback on another class that's finishing up and, you know, you can get your flights in and finish your training. So the next month I went back down and, uh, or was on my way down and got a call while I was driving down to Florida that Melanie had another episode at work and had to go to the hospital again. And it was February of 2018 that she was actually diagnosed with a brain tumor. And, you know, it it was at that point our life changed and everything turned into a different reality. And uh, people don't realize it, but from the very start of resurgence uh, until her passing, I, I was dealing with that and I was dealing with that struggle and I was dealing with, you know, her medical condition and the situation she was going through. Um, and I was dealing with my own cardiac issues and cardiac events. And, you know, the whole time, you know, I'm trying to serve others and I'm, I'm giving 
so much and I'm I'm putting up with the the typical social media drama of people, you know, and you get folks that don't fully support you and people that question you and what are your motivations? And, you know, it was so disgusting because I'm like, guy, do you really realize that I'm dealing with my own cardiac issues? I'm dealing with a wife that has a brain tumor and, you know, everything that's going on with that. And people are making just trivial comments about stuff that are not important, that they don't matter. And, you know, it was terribly frustrating, but you know, it was a whole situation of got to keep a smile on my face and, you know, have to maintain positive engagement and be involved and, you know, grow this organization and try to do what I set out to do. All while in the background, having all this stuff going on at home. Um, and then the last year hit and it, last year was absolutely the worst year of my life. Um, started off just prior to, uh, bad apples last year, I had to get my ICD replaced. So there was that surgery. So I missed bad apples. Um, you also had your buddy, the motorcycle accident. Exactly. So then in June, my, my buddy Cameron, he and his, uh, fiance were involved in a motorcycle accident, a distracted driver hit him and he and his fiance lost their left legs and, I was helping out with the family and I would, so like every, every third or fourth night while he was in the hospital, I would be the one to spend the night at the hospital with him. So his mom could go home and she could get some rest. And, you know, so I'm, you know, I was spending time away from resurgence, but I'm, I'm at the hospital. I'm feeding my buddy. I am, you know, I am holding the bottle so he can pee in it. You know, I am helping out the nurses, you know, getting him moved around. And, you know, I don't do that stuff for fame. I do it because he's a friend. You know, he's a veteran. He needs somebody there for him. And that's why I did it. But, you know, there was that. And then, you know, get past that and thinking, okay, tough part of the year's done. And uh, Melanie and I both get COVID. She gets over it in three days. And for me, it took like a month. You know, again, I'm one of those high risk categories. I've got cardiac issues and everything. Um, but, you know, get past COVID. It's like, Jesus, Todd, you haven't really done anything with resurgence. Then, uh, so we had a couple sponsorships and we, we, you know, things hadn't really stopped, but things were, it was hard. It, it was hard just because of life, what I was going through. And, you know, people, you know, they're folks that were involved with the program. They're like, man, you're having a pretty tough year. Little did we know how tough it was going to get. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we had a couple sponsorships. Um, and then, uh, then Melanie got sick again and we, and it wasn't like it, there was anything that bad. Um, she just wasn't feeling well. And, uh, she ended up having an episode where she had a seizure and I told her, I was like, Hey, you really need to go to the doctor because this one was like a pretty bad episode. And, uh, so she made an appointment and we went to our primary care provider the next day and, uh, got there 
and they just they were taking her vital signs and her oxygen saturation was really really low and they were like hey you guys need to go to the hospital and they took her oxygen saturation the second time and it was still really low and they're like yeah we're we're calling an ambulance for you we're we're not going to let you guys leave here and she got to the hospital and uh, they did the whole triage thing and she was immediately admitted into the ICU and uh that was on November 8th and uh November 9th was my 50th birthday and 2 days later she passed and uh as is at that point that I realized I needed time for me it's I've been trying so hard and I was giving so much of myself whether it was spending time in the hospital with Cameron you know or the the push to make resurgence successful um you know that was time that was taken away from Melanie while she was going through what she was going through and uh Once she passed, I realized that uh, I, I need to focus on me and uh, just kind of reevaluate what I've got going on and figure out how much how much am I still able to give. And I don't know what the answer to that is yet. But that's kind of where I'm at. Thank you for sharing all that. Um, but I, a couple of the resurgence alumni uh, have talked to me, you know, since then. And, uh, you know, they've, they've wished me well. And they, they're like, man, I, I hope, I hope this sandwich will go away because it, uh, from the start of 2022, it has been tough. It's been tough going. There's no doubt. We're recording this podcast and I'm losing myself in the moment, just listening and thinking, and it's, it's hard to play host. And I'm really more a friend right now and just listening and loving on you and just my heart's breaking. Um, I've told you this so many times that all you got to do is ask and I'm there for you. And hopefully I've proven that. Yeah. Although you, you really ask, you really don't want to ask because you've been through your whole life this provider yeah provider of security provider of freedom provider as father provider of metallica tickets <laughs> in so many ways you've been this provider um i, I think uh so I, i've actually thought about this and you know especially leading up to this show and you know i've been thinking back to see, you know, 
what has what has your development been? What has your path been in the paramotor community? And, you know, from the previous shows you've been on and the previous shows that you've hosted and what, you know, what you've produced. And I think um, the the way I look at it, and I, I think you might be able to relate, I'm, I might be speaking out of turn here, but I think one thing you've realized is nobody else is able to care for your dreams the same way you are. And I think that's why I've had a difficult time asking for help. Um, because I have asked for help. Uh, a couple months ago, I've, um, you know, this is, I, I actually was, I was asking a few people, um, I was asking a few other people to take over resurgence and I, I was hoping somebody else would step up to that mantle and take it. Um, surprisingly, nobody wanted it and the, the people I asked didn't want it. And, um, part of me is thankful because I don't think they would have managed it the same way I hoped it would be managed. Um, but they, they also admitted that, uh, it was way too much work and it was, it, it was too much for them to take on. And, uh, it was funny because I, I actually thought about you and I thought about, you know, there's a need for your voice and there's a need for these podcasts in the community. Um, and in between the periods where you've stepped back for family or there has been changes, nobody else was willing to step up and fill that void. You know, there was, there was a point in time when everything kicked off that like what, there were like seven or eight, 15, 30 podcasts that everybody was trying to wrestle with all at the same time. But, you know, you're the one that has continued to push that forward. You're the one that has had that dedication and, you know, and so I think there are some parallels between, you know, where I'd gotten with resurgence and everything going on in my life. Um, and I would, I would look at you and be like, you know, I, I think David's in the same situation where he wouldn't feel comfortable just happily handing it off and being like, yeah, okay, it's going to be great because you know, the second you do that, it's going to be completely changed. It's going to be somebody else's baby. Right. And so I, I think that, uh, that kind of plays into it. And, you know, I've, I'd kind of taken this position that, you know, people can either understand what's happening in my life and what I'm going through and just deal with it. Um, or they can wait. And when, when the time is right for me, I'll be able to, to come back and bring it back and, you know, put the effort and the focus back into it the way it needs it. And so that was kind of how I approached it. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, still want to help. <laughs> no, still I want appreciate to be there. I, I, no, I, I appreciate, I, I appreciate your advocacy. And, um, I, I will say that the, the folks that have been a tremendous help, 
you know, there have been folks that have continued to make monthly donations to resurgence. Uh. And even though I, I haven't been putting out any information, I haven't been putting out any messages, you know, cause you know, like, like I said, I, I need time for me and they're, yeah. you know, um, and who knows how long, which time that's going to be. We don't know. It's, it's got to be right for you, but you got to be, when you do it, you got to put your whole heart into it. Right. Yeah. Or find someone to help you in the meantime to assist you through that. So here's five words that I believe everybody should live by. Service, strength, resiliency, tenacity, and courage. And where can I find those five words, Todd? <laughs> that is, that's on the face of the resurgence coin. That's right. That's it right there. So I carry mine. I have a bunch of coins, but this is the only one I keep with me always. Yeah. And it's uh, it's an honor to you. It's an honor to everybody that's served. Um, and, and it's funny you bring that up because um, it, it's something that I, I look at the coin a lot. And I, I've looked at a lot recently. And uh, that resiliency, that word keeps coming out. And uh-huh. uh, it, it's, you know, I, I realize I need to be more resilient and, uh, my, I, I need to grow in my resiliency cause, uh, you know, and I have to, I, I have to be honest and agree that, yeah, I've, I've been going through a lot and it, it is tough and I, I don't need to shy away from that. And, okay. you know, I, I can admit it and be like, yeah, this is. This has been a lot harder for me than I thought it would be. If there is one thing for certain, and if if people question God, if there's one thing for certain is that God's not done with you yet. There is no right. way God's yeah. done yet. <laughs> right? Yeah. No. And you're you're here for you're here that, for the last ten years for a bigger reason. He's not done with you yet. And so I actually had that conversation with God. And, uh, I, I think that was part of the reason why resurgence came about Yeah, is cause I, I had that conversation with him and I was like, Hey God, if, if I'm still here, if every time I meet a new cardiologist and they all say you should be dead, but I'm not, why am I here? W- what is my purpose? Uh-huh. And, you know, I, 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 would like to think that, Hey, this is my purpose. This is, this is how I can give back. This is how I can influence. And, you know, I can be a better person and, you know, impacting lives, impacting others. Um, but I don't know, you know, I, I don't know. I, I might've gotten the wrong message. No, Um, I don't think so. But, uh, Uh, yeah, I mean, I've already, I don't want to talk about it right now on this podcast, but I've already got other ideas of how resurgence can, Research, <laughs> the resurgence of resurgence. So, yeah. and well, we the good news is we've we have the situation for two candidates to uh, get sponsored and get into training. Awesome in the near future. So that will kind of be how we can kind of kick things off and get back into it. Great. Um, we're going to wrap up here, but. Um, they're not always going to be podcasts talking about how 
David and Todd found themselves in Michigan flying over a, a field full of marijuana. <laughs> but that's okay, because I do want to talk about real stuff on this podcast and get deep. And this is... <laughs> this is what, episode seven? Seven, I think. And first time I found myself crying. Uh, Sandy actually broke a tear in the last podcast, and it probably won't be the last, but that means that we're getting deep and we're talking about real stuff, and that's going to help people out there because right. other people are going through the same stuff that you and I are, right? So I said at the beginning I wanted to dedicate the show in the memory of, of Melanie Scandrett. How, you have two boys. How many grandchildren? Three. Three. How's Mel- Melanie remembered in your eyes? How do you want people to remember her? <laughs> Another tough question. <laughs> she was amazing. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to get through this question. All right. She she loved her kids. And she loved her daughters-in-laws like they were her own. And uh, she loved her granddaughters. And unfortunately, she never got to meet her grandson. Um, she had passed three months before he was born. <laughs> but we, uh, Melanie would would watch the the granddaughters every day, so you know they didn't have to go to daycare or anything like that. We we provided. And so Melanie was just, she was an amazing grandmother. She was an amazing, we called her Nona. And uh, she just loved her girls so much when they loved her. And uh, that's the biggest struggle for me is realizing that the girls aren't going to remember her because they were just so young. Yeah. And, you know, Melanie's not going to be able to see, at least in a a worldly perspective, she's not going to be able to see those girls growing, and she's not going to be able to see Oliver as he's growing and getting bigger. And, uh, yeah, we, we were together for 32 years, and, uh, Looking back, it seems like it went by in the blink of an eye. But she was incredible. So I'm going to apologize to you if I've taken you down and to places where you didn't want to go in this last hour and a half. No, that's okay. But I really appreciate, from the bottom of my heart, you opening up and sharing with, with me... Yeah, it's probably not going to be good audio with me sniveling and groveling and everything. You can't do anything wrong. Uh, I don't believe you could. I love you. I really love do. Love you, man. You're a brother, and I love you. Um, I'm going to ask listeners to take a look at the comments, because in the comments is going to be the website for Resurgence PPG. And then, you know, if you, if you ever wanted to honor people in the military just didn't know how to it's one of the best ways I've found 
It really is. It, as I said earlier, the, the joy that the, the people that are selected that go through this process that, that they get from flying. I don't know if you really could put words to it. And there's nothing I've ever supported that's made me feel more, more proud or, or, or better about myself for supporting. So please take a look at Resurgence. Um, consider making a donation. Consider just like I do on a day-to-day basis in my own business, sharing the you know sharing the the the, the direction, the purpose of this PPG. And in doing that, you not only honor those those people that are going through the process. You not only honor Todd himself, but you really are honoring all of our military people. So thank you for considering that if you're listening. And if you do that, that, that'd be amazing. Smile. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's been a, it's been uh, an emotional journey. Yeah. Well, listen, like I said earlier, you have a lot of friends out there. Of course, your family. Yeah. But you do have a lot of friends that do love you and will do anything for you. And all you got to do is ask. All you got to do is ask. And yeah, if you're I appreciate ever, it. Natty, damn it, I expect you to call me up and get some skylight. Well, there, there's, there's been a conversation about that. And the, the next time I'm in Cincinnati, uh, definitely see you. No excuses. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for tuning in to this episode, this emotional episode. But um, I'm sure it was worth it. I know it was for me. I, I, it's going to be a tough one for me to edit. I'll tell you that. It's going to be a tough one. But I love you. Love you too, man. Uh, thank you for tuning in to Beyond the Summit, where we definitely went way, way beyond a couple summits here today. So thank you so much to Todd Scandrett for joining as my guest. Uh, we will see you all next week on Beyond the Summit. Thank you, everybody. Hey everyone, this is David. Just a quick reminder, if you haven't already, please go ahead and give this episode a five-star rating. Also, leave a review or any questions you might have for the guests and I'll make sure they get it. Thanks again so much for listening and we'll see you again next week on Beyond the Summit.